Hello and welcome back to The Hum. My name is Karina Dross. I am one half of Abacus Corvus and I'm an astrologer at Flax and Gold and this is the bonus episode that you get on the same feed as The Hum and the Holler. This one takes you through the astrological weather from new moon to new moon and we're beginning this month still in April. Very last day of April, April 30th, is the new moon in Taurus and this year the new moon in Taurus also happens to be a solar eclipse. So we are in eclipse season. There will be a, another eclipse, a lunar eclipse on May 16th, and there is so much more happening between now and the next new moon that I am not going to spend a lot of time focusing on the day-by-day smaller aspects, which I do on months when there is not as much action. But in the interest of really giving you the highlights of what you need to know for this very action-packed month, I'm going to focus on a few main things. So let's talk about the eclipses. I've talked about the eclipses before, but just as a reminder, eclipse season encompasses the lunation right before the first eclipse, which might be a new moon, might be a full moon, and then number one eclipse, number two eclipse, and then the lunation after the second eclipse. Every now and then there are three, but usually it's two eclipses in an eclipse season. So it is about a six-week period, and eclipse season tends to be a time when there's like doors slamming open and shut, when there's you know, a veil flapping in the, in the breeze and you see sunlight through it randomly. Um, when I think about eclipses, I think about the interruption of our ordinary cycles of light and dark that our bodies are incredibly accustomed to, even, even when we live in cities, when we're not quite as in touch with the darkness and the light and the way that the moon changes, we still have this deep physical felt sense of continuity that the eclipses interrupt. And in that interruption, we see difference, we see change, we see what we didn't expect. Um, I'm reminded of strobe lights and how strange they make the world. I'm reminded of what we hone in on with one sense if our other senses are less available. And generally eclipses bring in new information. And sometimes that information is unsettling, sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's revelatory. Sometimes it's just kind of whatever. How you experience an eclipse has a lot to do with how close the eclipse falls to a personal planet or strong point in your birth chart. So for this first eclipse, it is happening at 20 degrees, I'm sorry, 28 degrees of Taurus. So if you have a planet that's a few degrees before, a few few degrees after, right? So between 24 degrees of Taurus and two degrees of Gemini, I would say. And then similarly for the opposite signs, 24 Scorpio, two of Sagittarius, between 24 of Leo and two degrees of Virgo, or between 24 degrees of Aquarius and two degrees of Pisces, right? So you might want to look at your chart and see, do I have anything significant happening within those degrees? And if you're close, but not quite within that, get curious. Maybe you'll feel it. Pay attention, see what happens for you. If you're right in it, if you have Sun, Moon, Venus, Mars, Ascendant, IC, North Node, if you have anything that's really significant in your birth chart within that window, then this is going to be an eclipse season that feels more personal for you, which means 
there might be things really coming up in your own life that are ready for renewal, discovery, significant change. But during the eclipse season, it's generally best practice to watch and wait as much as possible. I'm not going to advise you to put your whole life on hold. I'm not going to ask you to delay getting out of a really bad situation if you need to jump, if you need to do it quickly. But as much as possible, as much as is reasonable for your life, and you know your life, take some time during eclipse season to let more information come. To just wait. Wait and see what else you learn. And then after eclipse season, and eclipse season will officially end at the end of May with the uh, new moon in Gemini. So we'll be picking up with that new moon next podcast. So this podcast is really just going to cover the thick of the eclipse season. So then, you know, we're looking towards end of May, beginning of June for when it makes more sense to start making plans, taking action, figuring out a way forward around any of the new information that comes up for you during the time of the eclipse. And I'm talking about big things. I'm talking about big life themes. I'm not talking about, I don't know, do I get a haircut? Unless getting a haircut is like deep, 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 deep catharsis for you, right? So that's what eclipse season is. This particular solar eclipse happens April 30th, it is 4.28 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. And if you find that you are resistant to change right now, that makes sense. There is a lot of Taurus energy in this eclipse, and Taurus is a fixed sign that kind of hates change. So as much as possible, lean into the Taurus strengths during this eclipse. This should be in some ways easy because we have Venus conjunct Jupiter on this day and we have a Mars trine to that Sun-Moon conjunction of the new moon. Um, and both of these add some ease and support and strength and resilience to the emotional energetic experience of encountering the unordinary. So look for where the eclipse falls in your birth chart, where it falls by house might tell you a lot about where you are experiencing this need to shift, and where Venus and Jupiter and Mars fall. So if you if you do an overlay of the, the, the day of the eclipse, so you can just put in, you know, make a birth date for Newman and Taurus eclipse, April 30th, 4.28 p.m. Eastern, um, or find the time for where you are and the city where you are, and pull up the birth chart of the eclipse and then look at it next to yours and figure out what is getting activated for you. So that's a fun thing you can do with eclipses, kind of always. One thing that I don't advise you to do is intense ritual. Ordinarily, new moons are times when I encourage ritual, deepening into intention, really harnessing that energy of seed planting and initiation. But eclipses tend to be times where the energy is, number one, extra powerful, and number two, a little chaotic, a little unexpected. It can veer sideways. It can ricochet, right? It's like you're you're popping a champagne bottle in a room full of glass instruments. <laughs> That's not what I'm thinking of. You know, like little glass tchotchkes, things that are easily broken and that cork can ricochet around, right? So um, just be a little more careful with whatever energy practices or ritual you do around the new moon. And because there's so much happening this month, I'm going to jump ahead a few of the transits in early May. 
If you are a Patreon subscriber at any level, you'll be able to read those. They're already up. If you feel, if you're not already, you can hop on for $2 a month and just look at the day by day where I have uh, every aspect written out. But for the purposes of this podcast, I want to focus on the big deal events. So May 10th is where we're going next. And there are two big things happening on May 10th. The first is that Jupiter is moving into Aries. And the second is that Mercury is stationing retrograde. So let's talk about those one by one. First, Jupiter into Aries is one of the big deals of this year. Jupiter is a main player in the astrology of 2022. And up until now, we've had Jupiter in Pisces. So Jupiter is our collective way of tapping into hope and belief and ideologies and the sense that we can expand and grow into a future that we want, right? Jupiter is that sense of of optimism and of meaning-making around what is our world, who are we in this world, why and how do we do things the way we do, and what are we trying to synthesize and learn to be living a life of more ease and mutual joy and less contraction and suffering. That's the goal of Jupiter. As Jupiter has been in Pisces, we have been in this several month long period at the beginning of the year in which that part of ourselves that is optimistic and oriented towards collective expansion has been a little bit dreamy, has been deeply tapping into empathy and all of the watery intuitive skills and also a little bit foggy. Pisces does not help us discern between dream and reality. It brings us into that state of communion with the world in which the boundaries between real and potential are less clear. Pisces energy is more of a trance state than a actively doing and building and making state. I say this with no shade. I love a trance state. I have enjoyed the Jupiter in Pisces energy. It's been deeply restorative for me. And, and, and as Jupiter moves into Aries, there is more of a forward momentum for us to be acting collectively, doing the things, taking a stand, standing up, advocating, fighting on behalf of, moving toward our passions, and doing this all with a sense of of bigness and joyousness and moving toward what we believe. That's, That's the positive spin, right? That's the how to harness this in your life. On a larger, you know, global politics level, Jupiter moving into Aries, it can be a little alarming, especially in in times of war. Jupiter into Aries, Aries is the the sign of war, the sign of aggressive, defensive action taken quickly and impulsively. And Jupiter is our belief systems, our sense of we are morally justified, our sense of we must do this now, this This is, um, you know, Jupiter and Aries helps really rally people around going to the defense or or going on the offense, rallying around competition, rallying around struggle and conflict and strife. I'm a fan of conflict in various forms, right? I am not someone who believes there's no place for conflict in our world. And Jupiter into Aries can activate and expand ways of doing conflict that are not ethical. 
So keep an eye out for that. And as Jupiter is in Aries, which will be from May 10th of this year until October 28th, for you personally, it is an opportunity to think about where in your life you either want to be moving more into action, advocacy, self-assertion, and taking chances. And where in your life you're scared of these things, or where you've gotten hurt by those things from coming from others or coming from yourself, and what you might need to heal around your relationship to Aries energy. Because Jupiter brings often opportunities for deeper understanding of whatever sign it moves into. The Mercury retrograde that happens on the same day is a little bit counterintuitive because Jupiter into Aries is a huge rush forward and Mercury retrograde slows us down and spins us into little circles. This Mercury retrograde will be active until June 3rd when it stations direct. It's got a little bit of a retro shadow after that, but really the, the, the strongest mm, times of, of this Mercury retrograde are between May 10th and June 3rd. So it won't last quite as long as Jupiter and Aries by, by any stretch of the imagination, but they do begin together. And I find that striking because already as there is this impulse, this Jupiter sense of, oh, this would be fun. Let's go do big, this big thing of moving forward and being big and bold and uh, aggressive. At the same time, there is a mental block. There is a sense of, we don't yet know what we need to know and we need to slow down and pace ourselves and go over it again and be more thorough before or as we are taking the big actions. That's what Mercury retrograde reminds us of. So holding these two things together, I imagine for most of us, will be character building, <laughs> which is to say frustrating and at times really uh, high pressure. And looking back, we will be able to congratulate ourselves on the moments when we did find the balance and let them work together. And then the next big event of the month happens on May 16th, 12.14 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this is the lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Depending on where you are in the world, this might show up for you on May 15th, so it's worth looking at the time zone because it's right after midnight for me in, um, in Eastern Standard Time in Philadelphia. This full moon lunar eclipse is in Scorpio, and it is also sextile to Pluto, which is the ruler of Scorpio. So there's extra Scorpionic flavor. It's like if you're ordering Scorpio ice cream with Scorpio toppings. And I really, I love Scorpio energy. I, I know that it gets a bad rap, like many, like many, like, you know, every sign has its stereotype. And so I don't want to jump on the pile of, oh, Scorpio is scary, or oh, eclipses are scary. But I do want to say that an eclipse showing up in Scorpio with a sextile to Pluto is intense. This is not an energy to take lightly, especially if a part of your chart is being activated by it. And just like we did for the uh, earlier eclipse on April 30th, you can look at where this falls for you by looking at if there's something in your chart that falls within roughly two degrees on either side from 25 degrees of Scorpio. Let's start with Scorpio. So that would be 23 to 27 degrees. If you have any planets or points within 23 to 27 degrees, 
of Scorpio, Taurus, Leo, Aquarius, then this is going to be a lunation that's extra upfront, close and personal for you. If you have a planet that's, you know, at 29 degrees or zero degrees in the next sign or at 22 degrees or 21 degrees, you might be feeling it. it, it these things aren't um, like there's like steep cliff and then it doesn't affect you. There's a gradation of influence, but the closer, the more intense, essentially. So get curious if you have planets near this point around what it is you need to be working with around the Scorpionic themes that are very related on a certain level to the Eclipse themes. Both Scorpio energy and eclipses in general ask us to uncover parts of our lives that we are usually not willing to look at. And we're usually not willing to look at them because they're painful or they're scary or there's something stuck there that we don't know how to deal with, that we feel powerless to affect or uh, unsupported in healing. And so when I work with Scorpio energy, healing is the word that I come back to again and again. And I don't mean healing in a gentle way. <laughs> I mean it in a true way. But healing isn't always gentle. Healing can involve intense pain and inflammation and complications. And I think often with Scorpio, healing of, of the kinds of interventions that hurt more as you are receiving them in order to fully resolve the problem later down the road. So that could be anything from getting a tumor removed from, you know, having surgery to having to cut open a part of your skin to pull out a splinter, you know, that there's something often with Scorpio energy of needing to dig into the places that have sealed over where things are not good underneath and something needs to get cut open and exposed and released and transformed. So that doesn't always feel good. And when it's over, your life is better. Your life is so much better. So during this lunar eclipse, I invite you to think about how you can best support yourself to be in the kind of energetic experience that feels a little bit like surgery or that feels a little bit like a splinter being taken out, depending on what's coming up for you, right? You'll know as we move toward May 16th, as you're in the eclipse energy, you'll get a sense of, oh, this is the level of healing that I need in this moment. But be looking for that. Be asking yourself, what, what is the healing that needs to present itself to me with this eclipse? And figure out what tools and resources you have to let yourself heal. And that might mean calling in support. That might mean calling out of work. That might mean making sure that you're not processing with someone who's triggering for you on or around this day, or making sure that you've got a phone call lined up with someone who's 100% on your team. You know, use the tools. Use the tools that you know of that are available to you to really ground yourself and support yourself around whatever healing needs to happen for you on, on and around this eclipse day. Also, because we're still in the eclipse season, we're still at the height here on May 16th, this isn't the time to make big life decisions around the new information that's coming up. So you might start thinking, you might start strategizing, but ideally you don't leap into, oh, I've learned X, therefore now I must immediately do Y. May 20th brings Gemini season. Sun moves into Gemini. 
and Mercury, ruler of Gemini, is still retrograde. And we are in eclipse season, and Jupiter's just moved into Aries. So everything is a little extra right now, and Gemini, at its best, helps us access and activate our sense of wonder and curiosity. And if you read it all about trauma, about chronic PTSD, or ongoing, you know, I know that there are those who say PTSD is not a useful for, uh, term for people who are experiencing ongoing trauma, where the trauma is still happening. I can't remember what the phrase is, though, for like, like OTSD, ongoing traumatic stress. Anyway, whatever it is, <laughs> digression, this is a very Gemini digression. Um, Gemini at its best gets us curious, gets us wanting to follow all of the ways that language opens up into meaning and what else could be possible. And that that sense of curiosity is something we lose when we are in states of traumatic shutdown. Gemini helps us heal from trauma by reminding us that it is safe enough to get curious and to come out of the rigidity that happens when we are in fear. This movement of Sun into Gemini can be a really gorgeous opportunity for that lightning and that opening and that movement toward uh, playfulness and being with each other in a way that is um, not as heavy, <laughs> not quite as down in the depths of all of our old scars and wounds and the scars and ongoing wounds of, of the world around us. Gemini brings some levity and some joy and a little little less uh, intensity to a time that is very intense this month. This is a very intense month. With the retrograde, there's also some risk that Gemini season may just be a little more chaotic and confusing, at least until the third. And we might find ourselves a little more distractible. And then on May 24th, Mars moves into Aries, following Jupiter and Venus, which both moved there this month. And Mars and Aries is in its happy place. Mars, when it's happy, though, is kind of a mixed blessing. On the one hand, Mars energy is vital to us. It rules our vitality. Mars energy is the yes within us that bubbles up and pushes us outward toward what we want, toward the world, with excitement, with courage, with a sense of I am here and I matter and what I want matters. On the other hand, Mars also is what causes harm. <laughs> Mars is the part of us that says, what I want matters more than what you want. My, my desires are more important than your safety. Um, my anger is more important than your boundaries, whatever it might be. And so when Mars is in Aries and it's extra happy, that means both of those are stronger. The, both the, uh, the ways that Mars can enliven and energize us and the ways that Mars can be a bully and can overrun boundaries and needs. So when Mars is in Aries, and we got two other planets in Aries, including Jupiter, be aware. Be aware of your relationship to desire, to what the self needs, right? Mars is a selfish part of our, of our psyches, and we need that for self-assertion, for self-protection, for self uh, for, for, for the existence of a self, which is inherently a good thing, and too much of it. Too much selfishness leads to many of the problems that we see in the world right now. I invite you throughout this month, but especially after May 24th, as Mars moves into Aries, 
to pay attention to how that energy is working in your life. The energy of self, self-direction, self-protection, self-defense, self-assertion, all of these things. If you are finding it hard to access these things and need a boost, this can be a really good time for you. If you are someone who already tends to come on really hot and strong, if you have a temper, if you tend to lash out and then regret it later, watch yourself carefully during this month and start to pay attention to where you might be able to intervene in that process before you do things that you regret. So start paying attention to, oh, this is how I know when I'm starting to get angry. What tools do I have now? Can I breathe? Can I de-escalate? Can I notice and name what's happening and give the other person a chance to help me de-escalate or, or offer a strategy, right? Work with Mars. Mars benefits from our careful, conscious, loving integration. And this particular transit of Mars through Aries will be with us till July 5th. There are just a few more things I want to get to before the end of this lunation cycle. On the 27th, we have Venus squaring Pluto right before on the 28th, Venus moves into Taurus. There's a little bit of Venus energy here right at the end. Venus square Pluto is always a day to just watch out for relationship intensity, for jealousy, obsessiveness, abandonment fears, for people not being on their best behavior, for you not being on your best behavior. Pluto always exposes what needs healing. Pluto squares tend to do so in a way that isn't, doesn't always feel nice. And that is Venus's last aspect before moving out of Aries and into Taurus. So as Venus has been in Aries, it has been a time for us to do a lot of initiation and initiation specifically around Venus things, uh, which are relationships and art projects and our own creativity and our value system and our resources, how we spend our money, what our physical objects mean to us, all sorts of things, right, that Venus rules. And in Aries, Venus is like, yeah, go for it, do the thing, try it, start something new, see what happens, renew something. And when Venus moves into Taurus, we are given the opportunity to slow down and stabilize and see which of these changes we have the energy to stick with, are, are, are able to keep themselves good and alive in our lives with minimum effort. Venus in Taurus is very lazy. <laughs> Venus in Taurus really wants to be eating grapes in the sunshine. So it's a beautiful time when Venus moves into Taurus to enjoy your relationships, to enjoy your physical surroundings, the beautiful things that you might have around you in your life, whether those are beloved objects or animals or plants. Venus in Taurus is a restorative time for the parts of ourselves that come to life through pleasure. And then the last transit of this lunation, the next transit will be the new moon in Gemini on May 30th, right? So we're going to get to that one next podcast. But the last thing we're going to talk about is May 29th, we have Mars moving conjunct Jupiter. And this is just like a big energy day. I think of this as, um, you know, in the U.S., the, the national holiday is July 4th, the, the Independence Day, and people go wild uh, lighting fireworks. And I personally, my system doesn't love it. I'm like, you know how dogs get around fireworks? I, I'm similar. I've spent many 4th of July's comforting dogs and myself and being like, whew, it'll be over soon. Sometimes I go camping in the woods to get away from it. Mars conjunct Jupiter and Aries is a little bit like that kind of energy. So if you're someone who loves fireworks, 
this is this can be a great day for you. This can be a day of big, expansive, loud, fun, exciting, adventurous energy. If that makes you feel like you already have a headache just thinking about it, make some time on May 29th to get somewhere quiet, <laughs> to just kind of be less around. Don't be in a crowd if you can help it. Don't make like a plan for being at a big party. Really um, set yourself up for as much ease as possible on a day like today. And always, always when Mars conjuncts Jupiter, Mars is our energy and Jupiter expands. So watch out for going beyond your limits without realizing it. If you have chronic illness and you are someone who kind of measures out spoons, as it were, you can run out of spoons real fast. If you are an athlete and you are training for something big, you might uh, think you have more energy than you do and, and not be as careful as, as you would otherwise be in assessing uh, energy in, energy out. So just be aware of that also on a day with Mars conjunct Jupiter. Anything Mars, good or bad, can get a little excessive. And that's it. That's it for this month, my friends. Thank you for listening. Good luck through all of the kind of roller, roller coaster twists and turns of this particular May of this Taurus new moon season. Taurus new moon season. Whew. Who knew it would be this wild right now? And I will be in touch with you on the next podcast. So look for that one to drop sometime before May 30th, which is the new moon in Gemini. Bye for now. Oh,